to EST. If you love the established church, this is the place to have conversations about why the established church matters, how to better serve her, and to hear stories every week about how God is using the church for His glory and our good. The show is hosted each week by Sam Rayner, Josh King, and Micah Fries. We're glad you're here. Hey, what's up? And welcome to another episode of EST, the podcast for established church leaders by established church leaders. My name is Josh King, and that is Sam Rayner. It is. It, it's still me on the other <laughs> side of the screen. Sam yes, Josh. On I, the other I, side of the screen. How are you today? I am frustrated, but what? it has it has nothing to do with our listeners or my family. You if know, you were just, frustrated with our listeners, then you're very sensitive. I would be because we've we don't, got great listeners. Yeah, we don't even interact with them. <laughs> no, it's just one of those mornings when you get going and you got a little drama you got to deal with. Nothing I did, just, you know, stuff. And But, hey, I, I would like to announce to our listeners some good news. Tell them some good news. Well, and it doesn't even involve our sponsor. That would have been a really good segue into a sponsor. But I totally thought that's what you were doing. So no. I'll we'll have to set that up here. Tonight. No, I adopted my foster son. Oh, yeah, that's right. Congratulations on that. Yeah. Yeah. Two yeah. and a half years and made it official. Forever yeah. home, as they say. Forever home. That's your gotcha date, kind of. It was a foster child, so it's a little different. A, a little bit different, but it's it's all good. Yeah. Um, yeah. Did, did court through Zoom. You know, I'd never oh, done nice. that before. Nice. Well, Very before cool. we talk about our sponsor, we do have a guest as well. Why don't you introduce our guest? Our guest today is Clay Smith. Clay Smith is the pastor of Johnson Ferry Baptist Church north of Hotlanta. Clay, what's going on today? Doing great, guys. Good to, good to be on here. And one of the first things I was told when moving to Atlanta was never call it Hotlanta. <laughs> well, to all of our listeners in Hotlanta and Cali, get over it. That's what I call y'all. <laughs> well, okay. So, if I went north... Uh, how far is Atlanta north? Maybe seven hours north of me? We wouldn't call it hot Atlanta. We'd be like, man, we're escaping the heat. Mm. I don't know. The, our you, our heat index was 120 degrees a couple of days ago. 120. Mm. But when it's February and you're on the beach, I mean, we, we don't feel bad for you. No, no, don't. And that time's coming. Uh, you know, it, it, we're peak hurricane season while this is being recorded. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, once, once uh, Halloween's usually the first kind of cold front that comes through. And by cold front, it'll be about 78 degrees outside. Oh, sounds so wonderful. So, here's the question though. <laughs> at what point do you wear a jacket in Florida? Like, wh- what is jacket weather? Anything sub yeah. 80? Anything. Raining. So, with my kids, uh, because they've grown up their whole lives in Florida for the most part, um, anything below 80 is cold. In fact, my son, you know, he that's all he knows. He, we moved here when he was one week old, two weeks old. Mm-hmm. So, anything below 80 and they start they start getting cold. Well, sorry, sorry listeners, sorry. Also, uh, we'll certainly pray for them and uh, <laughs> but uh, as far as our sponsor goes, we don't really have a segue. You already mentioned it, so just go ahead yeah. and tell us. Yeah, we well, it's the same sponsor we always have. We love them. Church right. Initiative great, great programs, great resources, two in particular that we always talk about because we think they're among the best, grief share and divorce care. Um, They've made it simple. They've made it easy for you to do grief or divorce recovery ministry. You need one volunteer. You take that volunteer. You connect them to the church initiative team. The church initiative team takes it from there. And what they do is they coach your volunteer 
through uh, the leadership process of starting these ministries, and they are wonderful ministries. They provide step-by-step support. Um, these coaches are available to answer questions. They offer encouragement, and the coaching is free. Uh, that's what I love about Church Initiative. Uh, they don't just leave you alone after you get the course. Um, they provide a resource, a resource that is good, but a resource of people that are behind it as well. So you can learn a little bit more, get their quick start guide at divorcecare.org slash start slash EST, griefshare.org slash start slash EST. I'll say that one more time, just so you can just just so you can take a moment and go get it. Divorcecare.org slash start slash EST or griefshare.org slash start slash EST. Go check them out. Give us some love by going to those links and uh, definitely help your church by starting a divorce or grief recovery um, right. ministry. We want you to check it out. We also want you to share it. So once you find uh, how beneficial that resource is, make sure that you let other people know, other pastor friends, other ministerial friends know about the great resource that is in grief share, grief share and divorce care. All right. So um, our topic today is going to be preaching. In the future of preaching. In the year 2000. I don't. <laughs> in the year 2000. We're talking about the future and you went to 2000, which was literally 20 years Do you not ago. know that reference? I don't know any of your references, man. You're Conan like, O'Brien. Yes, Clay knows. Clay knows. Guys, Back yeah, in the y'all day. Are, y'all are similarly aged. So, um, Well, I'm, Josh lived a very sheltered childhood, so it I manifests did. itself in different ways. I grew up uh, independent fundamental Baptist, and so I believe fun and fundamentalist. The the year two thousand bit was probably my favorite late night bit that's ever been done of any of the hosts. And I know that's a tall. I know that's because you got Johnny Carson, you've got others that were like kings of late night. I loved that bit. I didn't. Conan's not nearly as funny as he used to be. I still, I still like the guy, but that 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 was great back in the nineties. Not because of my Christian values, but because. I just don't stay up late. So that was <laughs> that was just more like me liking go to and I wouldn't say I'm sheltered growing up independent it was more imprisoned. If you're <laughs> independent fundamental, you're more imprisoned. Um but so so what what we want to talk about is preaching. Uh we've talked about this on a number of different issues. You can go back and listen to episodes on preaching calendars, illustrations, those sort of things. And we'll touch on a lot of that, but I think the fundamental question is this right now that a lot of people are facing. Did COVID change preaching? Did it change preaching in some way? Clay, I feel like you 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 think it does in some way. How how and maybe I'm not saying that correctly, but how would you say it has if it has at all? I don't think COVID has changed preaching, but I think it's changed your audience and and how you interact with your audience. So I think we've all had to do different things in this season uh, that perhaps we didn't uh, prior to this season. I mean, people have been prognosticating about the death of preaching forever. And I think that conversation will always be with us. And yet, I think it's one of the God-ordained means by which uh, people are discipled and instructed in the Word of God. So, I don't think preaching's um, going anywhere. In fact, I I hope and pray there's a revival of preaching in a lot of ways. But I do think COVID has changed how we interact with our audience. And we we can jump into those things. But I think maybe the main things are the fact that you're speaking primarily to an audience that's behind a screen or behind a camera. And mm-hmm. and I do think the way you preach to a camera is different than a live audience. What do you guys think? Sam? Oh, yeah. I mean, g- g- preaching to a camera is completely different. Um, we, we use uh, teleprompters. We use some cues. Uh, when when uh, getting in front of the camera, our, our goal is under 20 minutes. Uh, uh, with the teaching time on camera, 
uh, because people's time, you know, the consumption of a video is much shorter than if you're live. So we try to keep our uh, online services to right at 30 minutes. Um, so I think it's a completely different animal. Um, everything that we do is pre-produced. We don't live stream our services. Josh, I know you and I have talked about that some. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when I preach to a camera, yeah, it's it's 17, 18, 19 minutes. Um, and it's a 30-minute service total. The completely whole service different. is 30 minutes? Yeah. Yeah. Because nobody listens past 30 minutes. Of all, of, of all our listeners, man, you got people listening past 30 minutes. I mean, you're doing a good job. Well, uh, I disagree you, with that. I mean, I'll just be honest. Just based on our analytics, I mean, we can see when people drop off like any other church can. And and our services are 65-ish minutes. And that's not to say we retain 100% of the audience. But I don't see them all falling off after 25, 30 minutes. So, I just... Well, you're a better preacher than me, Clay. No, <laughs> I think it's because the music is, is better than the preaching. But, you know. Do you... Um, I, I would argue it's not a time. It's listening and watching. I don't watch anything past like, I don't care, 10 seconds. I'm not watching that. I'll listen to somebody else preach for a while if I can do other things while I'm doing it, but while I'm listening, but I'm not going to watch a whole service, even if it's a church I really like. Um, I, I just, that's a weird thing for me. And I do think one of the struggles with, this isn't the topic, but online church or the, is the music. I just find that so unengaging. I don't care how good it is, but I also never really watched music videos growing up. And so, you know, it's it's just kind of a different take, I think. I, and I think you I think you do have to make a choice as to who your primary audience is. I mean, the reality mm. is that we're all in this kind of dual world. I mean, and Sam, maybe not. Maybe you're it sounds like you are 100 percent online right now. Do you have a live audience at all? Oh, yeah. Okay. No, we we, re- we reopened our campus, you know, weeks ago. Uh, our strategy is the digital services are a, an enhancement of, not a replacement for. So okay. everything that we do is is pre-produced. It points everyone to the live service. Uh, we want people in service. Now, clearly, we have some people have some health concerns, and we we re- completely respect that. Um, but you know, we don't we don't want people consuming our services when they can be here live. Sure. But if I choose on a Sunday morning in my den to watch your service, am I watching that 30 minute experience? Is it a live? Um, no, we don't okay. do any live experiences. So it's all pre. Okay. There's there's just too many hangups with live, you know, upload speed, uh, you know, technology. No, we, we pre-produce everything for the Sunday. Well, it's the Saturday night, Sunday morning experience because we post on Saturday. Um, the one thing that we do live is a Wednesday night, but uh, that's actually fading out because we're going back to in-person hmm. Wednesday night programming. Um, and Clay, you guys are you guys are pretty much what you were, but live. Y- yes. We, for mm-hmm. a season, we did all pre-recorded everything, mm-hmm. um, maybe very much similar to what Sam is, is mentioning there. But as soon as we were able to go back live, we went back to the live experience. And some of this is just preference. But I, I've watched a lot of kind of world-renowned churches do pre-recorded services and this may just be for me so i'll I'll speak for me not for even our church um i find that difficult just not having the spontaneity factor that you have in in kind of an extemporaneous setting um Mm -hmm. when everything's pre-recorded i I don't know i just i don't listen in the same way i don't i don't engage in the same way and probably just because there's that nagging belief to know that whatever i'm watching is not actually happening right now but i do think even uh, so this is a preference thing i would rather watch a a lesser quality live experience 
than a pre-recorded, more polished experience. Now, I'm sure there's some boundaries there where, where I'd be comfortably the way, but that that's my preference. I have mm. the exact opposite take. Yep. Um, and understand, Clay pastors a great church with Johnson Ferry, so... We're having a, a bit of a theoretical debate here because uh, I, I love both of our churches. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't really engage with the live experience because you could put a million dollars into it and it's still subpar in, in my mind. Um, you're trying to reflect something that you can't really reflect well. Mm. Um, so, that's why we've done pre-recorded stuff. I mean, pre-recorded is just easier, honestly. We don't have the resources to, to pull off, you know, a good live feed. A lot of churches just struggle to, you know, to have those resources. And so, that's, we, that's one we do something realities. recorded because it's easier and it's cheaper. I think that one of the things that y'all are hitting on is just this fundamental question. I think we've hit on two of them. Clay, you said something about who your general audience is. And so, for our take, what we're producing online, what we're putting out there, my main concern there is for the folks who cannot make it to service or choose not to make it to service because of COVID. So they're the primary ones. I'm not necessarily putting anything out there that is geared towards those who are not yet uh, connected with Second Baptist, whereas Sam is intentionally taking a step towards those on the outside. I think there is another fundamental question there about live versus pre-produced. And I don't know that I've thought about, I do know that there's this element to it. And I don't know if you guys are this way. So, Everybody knows I'm a Texas Longhorns fan. I love the Texas Longhorns. Really? Fan. I didn't know that, Josh. Yes. I love the Texas Longhorns. <laughs> I'm so glad that you, that you love baseball most, though. <laughs> baseball, no. Anyhow, um, when Vince Young won the national championship, they show that game a million times on the Longhorn Network. They show that game because, you know, it's our last championship. Well, I cannot watch it again. I don't – it's 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 considered by even non-Longhorn fans as one of the best college football games of all time. And I can't watch the. I don't watch live events. That's the kind of thing a Texas fan would say about, you know. When when you said something about not saying Hotlanta, I thought to myself, I thought, as a Texan, I don't really care what other people say because it is like a pastime of this nation to make fun of Texans. Hey, but well, Texas is a great country and people should visit it whenever they can. Now, Clay, I thought it was a republic. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Whatever it is, y'all are looking up at it. So, that's uh, <laughs> whatever you want to call it. So, my point is there are elements of things, of course, television shows, those are pre-produced. Movies are pre-produced. And so, in my preference, I'd rather watch a pre-produced worship service. Shorter music, better done um, angles and, and, you know, those sort of things. Um for the production value, I'd rather watch a pre-produced worship service. I, I guess that's just me. I mean, um, and the churches that can do that well are huge and they have just very good – that can do that standard live is what I mean. So, like, if you watch The Village, even though they're doing that live, it's great. It's great quality. Um, but I don't know. That's a Texas church, by the way. That's another Texas church, yeah. Texas yeah, has I mean, a lot of great churches. There, there's no doubt that – the, the amount of resources you have to sink into the technology behind it certainly improves the experience. Mm-hmm. I mean, if, if you're at a church where those resources aren't available in any kind of way, I, I mean, I totally get that. I, I, I just also think, though, uh, there are ways to be more interactive, even in a live experience. And that's maybe where some of the shifts or changes have come in. For instance, I mean, I 
maybe just highlight a few things we've tried to do here is, you know, I, I write down my notes on um, every Sunday morning. I write the word screen first, screen first. And I write that maybe seven or eight places in handwritten notes on my preaching notes because I just want to be reminded that I'm primarily talking to people behind the screen versus those in the room. And for right now, at, at the time of this recording, uh, we still only have maybe 25% of our kind of folks back in a live uh, setting. So 75% of the people that I'm speaking to on a Sunday are behind a camera. And so we, we've adopted a screen first mentality, but not a screen only mentality. So um, I think it changes. Uh, there's been several times where I've, I speak to the camera. I make mention of that. I say, okay, those of you at home, I want you to lean in real quick, put down the coffee, whatever, look at me right now. We'll do things like that. Uh, we'll have prayer prompts that we put on the screen with a timer and say, okay, at home right now, we want you to do this. I mean, I'm, I mean we're constantly making reference to people at their homes, um, almost as if the live audience is, is watching us do, uh, you know, an at-home experience. And it's subtle, but we're just trying to make mention of that thing. I think the worst thing you can do is just pretend like there's no one behind that camera. And so when you preach, you're looking at your audience, but not into the screen and some of those types of things. So I, I do think there's some kind of a both and that can be utilized in this way. I mean, do you guys do anything like that in terms of just intentionally interacting with people at home? Yeah. Well, we do with our Together Live event because it's everybody. Um, you know, that's done on my back porch or in our kitchen or something like that. Um, and in terms of our pre-produced services, yeah, we're everyone's we're assuming everyone's watching, you know, well, everyone is watching. So we have those teleprompters. We have those cues. Uh, the way that the videos are put together is for digital consumption on YouTube or Facebook or wherever it's going. Let me ask you this, though, both of you. What will change? So, we're all doing this now to some degree, some of our listeners more so than others, um, but every, it's, it's for everyone right now for the most part. I mean, there may be a few listeners that are only doing live services and not digital services, but most everyone jumped into this world. What's the future look like? Are we going to keep doing some of this stuff? I mean, what- I think um, what's the next what's the next 18 months? Let me ask that. We don't have to think five years out. Oh, 18 man, yeah. months. I, I don't know. I think that it did shift us for most. I would say almost all of our extended faith family thought of digital or online as being secondary. It's just it's kind of there. Yeah, we have a thing. And so if you can't be here, you can watch it. But everything was about that main room. And I think even very well-resourced churches in the last couple months are asking the question or somebody has said how can we shift resources to make the online experience even better or we've got to buy this equipment or we've got to get to this place so i think uh clay you said something along the lines of screen first but not only Mm -hmm. i think that that may be a setting that's going there i also believe that uh I, I don't necessarily, I think it'll shift back to where the in-person I've, I've still felt that way. I always feel that way. I think it's going to be in-person primarily. I think we're just going to put a bigger emphasis on having that almost, I think it added validity to a lot of people that were looking down their nose at online attendance numbers, all these sort of stuff. All of a sudden we were all forced to deal with that respectfully. Yeah. Well, 
let me be a little bit more apocalyptic here in, in the sense of I, I do think at some point some measure of normalcy will return. I do agree with you, like, you know, Josh, that, that although I think, as you guys have probably talked about in previous podcasts, uh, the number of people that will come back will probably be less than it was prior for a whole host of reasons. That's probably a whole separate topic. But I, I, let me say this. I, I think one of the things that we're going to find out 18 months from now, Sam, is the insufficiency of online church. I mean, I think we're all getting glimpses of that now. But I think we're going to see that. And if I could just get a little theoretical here, if you look at old books, let's say like a Neil Postman's Amusing Ourselves to Death, you know, one of his whole criti- critiques about uh, TV education was that you're taking a medium like TV that's largely built for entertainment and you're expecting it to be used for education, which the proponent says, yes, you can do that. But hit, but experience would actually say something very different. I think what's going to happen in the church is something similar. I think right now we're touting what can be done virtually when it comes to discipleship, when it comes to teaching and preaching and ministry and all those things. I think that we're going to learn in 18 months, assuming we're all still here in 18 months. I think we're going to learn that uh, that virtual ministry is not a sufficient means for the things we just discussed. And so it, it that's not to say it goes away totally, but I wonder if in 18 months there will be either a renewed appreciation for you know, one-on-one, you know, or person-to-person discipleship uh, in live teaching environments and some of the things that um, have been kind of, uh, you know, sliding away from our experience the last few years. I just wonder if all this will do is reveal um, that virtual ministry cannot accomplish what many people think it will. I, I agree. In fact, I'd go so far as to say that churches that go all in with digital and really press in hard there and neglect the in-person experience are really going to regret it in 18 months. Yeah, they're cutting their I, I think you're going to see a lot of churches that say, man, we pressed hard into digital and we didn't stop doing in-person, but we really didn't focus on it. Um, I, I think that that's going to that's gonna hurt more mm-hmm. than it will help. And hear me out, listeners. I'm all for technology. I'm all for digital services. We're doing them. We're going to keep doing them. So the future of preaching is we went from zero digital presence at West Bradenton to a strong digital presence, and we had to do it overnight. We're going to keep doing that. We're not going to neglect that. But if you neglect the in-person service or put the digital over the in-person service, I think you're really you're going to struggle. Um, which, you're gonna, I mean, you're going to struggle in so many ways. Assimilation is, you, you can't assimilate. You, you cannot assimilate people digitally. It's just not going to happen. Uh, people aren't going to give, you know, if, if they're digital only. I mean, some will if they have maybe that background. But for the most part, d- digital is a consumer-driven medium. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. not a sacrificial medium. It's completely consumer-driven. So, if you do this for the long term, all that you're going to get is a bunch of consumers. Yeah. Um, and they'll switch back and forth to the videos that they like, just like they do on Netflix. Let me, let so, me shift a little bit here. Um, oh, you're going to – you're okay. Same idea, but the opposite side of it. I'm wondering if – for lack, I don't know a better way to say this, but the rich get richer. I'm wondering if the churches that are equipped or were able to add in a valid or a strong digital presence um, won't – those were generally the the stronger churches, better resourced churches. If they won't be able to be more, uh, what do you call it, like uh, nimble, they'll be able to 
to zig when everybody else is zagging if they won't run out ahead where these churches i remember i've seen churches where they just you know when a church starts to struggle and it kills off its children's ministry or it kills off its youth ministry that just causes a ripple effect where it just keeps struggling and it struggles more and more and more um in comparison to other churches i've been wondering if this is going to cause a bigger gap i know it's going to cause a bigger gap in situations like public education those children who were able to easily go online they were resourced they were already probably doing better statistically in education they're going to go even further ahead than those that were struggling for other various reasons socioeconomic situations i'm wondering if there's going to be a similar situation with the church what y'all's take on that I would agree. I mean, I, I think in the short term, that's probably true. There's probably a lot of people right now who are getting up on a Sunday. And uh, let me say a lot of people, and I mean I mean Christians, a lot of Christians right now who are getting up on a Sunday morning and thinking, I'm going to go to the, you know, whatever fill in the blank is. And so there might be some world-renowned preacher or someone who might be several states away. And they're thinking, wow, this is great. You know, we can worship with this high-quality experience. I think the heartbreaking reality, and this is a gut feeling, I have zero data to back this up. Uh, I don't think people who aren't followers of Jesus are getting up and looking for anything. I mean, honestly, they could care less about what the what the church down the street or what the church across the world is doing in a way that's making them bigger or more, you know, uh, nimble or whatever. So I think the reality is I think we're losing touch with just a lot of lost people who don't currently uh, follow Jesus. And so and I don't think virtual ministry is the way to reach them. So I think we've got to do a better job of doubling down on it, it, the in-person connections and the sharing the gospel with your neighbors and with your coworkers. And I think that's where the bulk of our energy needs to be. I do think if you're taking the current, you know, size of the pie of Christians, it, it's the same. I don't think it's growing at all. In fact, it may be diminishing. Um, and I think we should have to think less about how can we compete with a church down the street and more about what can we do to be reaching our neighbors with the gospel? So I, I kind of went on a little diatribe there, but that, that'd be my take on that. Well, there, there's a couple of things in there. The one thing when you talk about competing with the church down the street, we're a, we're a podcast for established church leaders. And so when I say the word compete, we even had an episode on this, whether or not churches compete. And <laughs> we had a good episode. It was a great year. episode. Uh, <laughs> we had we, some different opinions. Do they? Yeah. Uh, well, depends on if you ask me or Micah. <laughs> uh, so... Uh, you know, the competition situation, one of the things that became very clear was this. Before, when we were primarily in-person gatherings, if if churches compete, I was competing with the other churches in Conway. Now, I'm competing with every church. Uh, Johnson Ferry is just as much an option for the people who are going to switch between those things as, as uh, First Baptist Conway right down the road from us. So, that created another element there. And I think you're exactly right. One of the things that I'm worried about is the general mentality of our culture in America and probably the world, but I can't speak to that, was that any interpersonal uh, connection was put on pause and it was just shut down. So I don't go to school. I don't play sports. I don't shop in person. I don't do any of this kind of stuff. And one of the things that didn't get thought of was the sacrificial service, the sharing the gospel, showing the gospel, those two elements that we were pushing real hard. And I think that there's even a large percentage of people who are attending online or in person who are thinking, okay, I got my church, but that whole thing, it just seems so foreign now that they're going to invite their neighbors over and have a little, uh, like a, a barbecue so that they can begin to build relationships with them. That whole like bringing people into your home feels 
I mean, it almost feels sinful now. It feels wrong on some level, un-American, unmedical, you know, those sort of things. And by that, I'm assuming you mean because of the because of the realities of COVID, just not social being safe. distancing, COVID, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So that that scares me a little bit because um, I think while the church in America was quick to shift uh, the the worship service we weren't as quick and maybe haven't thought through as much how to shift evangelism or for so long, you know, it's been quote unquote life on life. One of my least favorite sayings in all the world, life on life, <laughs> um, which is just tell us how you really feel. Josh. It's lazy evangelism. It's not real evangelism, but life on life for so long has been the emphasis that now that's even, you're not allowed to do that. You can't have dinner parties at your house. You can't have invite the neighbors over for a backyard Bible study this summer. You can't do that. So, yeah, I'm a little worried I, about that. Yes and no. So, let, maybe the other side of that is I, I think us, and we're pastors. I'm sure the majority of your listeners are pastors, people engaged in full-time ministry in some kind of way. Uh, I think because we are so in this world of how do we get back to normalcy? How do we get programs back online? How do we get people back in the building? How do we get back to back? You know, it's so insider focus right now. I think there's a big disparity between that. And when I talk to guys in our church who are in the corporate world, what I'm hearing from them is that they're having evangelistic conversations like never before. You know, they're talking to guys in their workplace who are asking questions about life and meaning and purpose and God. And and as the world around them is crumbling, they're looking for some stability. And so I'm hearing time after time, like th there's never been a bigger opportunity to share the gospel than right now. And I think we as pastors, to be honest, are missing the boat if we're putting so much focus on the structure of getting church back online and missing mm -hmm. the incredible opportunity that's right in front of us. So I would just say, open your eyes, get outside the church and and say, hey, the, the harvest is ready, so let's go get it. So a lot of the Johnson Ferry executives, they're having life on life. They're, they're doing that. <laughs> that's what they're doing there. You mean like Jesus? Hey. Uh, no, not like Jesus. He actually used words. Um, so the, but apparently I think there's a misunderstanding of life on life. Then. Yeah. Life on life. You know, that's you're just, from you Texas. Know, so, right. Where that originated. So the, the whole idea of this whole, like, never mind, I'll drop that. So the, uh, we're talking about preaching in the future. Let me ask you this, just the basic. So for our listeners, do you talk about COVID? Or uh, I hate talking. No, about it. not so not so much anymore. Yeah, um, it's a bit of a tired subject. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it it relates into some of the subject matter. Sure. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I even joked. I had a point that I changed. I originally wrote, you know, something is contagious. You know, passion is contagious or something like mm -hmm. that. And I said, yeah, I don't think I need to use that word. You know, I'll make little jokes. What about, um, but, uh, what about unprecedented? Do you say that word a lot? Uh, no, no, I, I stay it's away like from the big epic eyeball. words yeah. that are completely tired mm -hmm. right now. Um, things are, and understand in our community, I don't mean to diminish pain or, you know, you know, because some people have been really hurt by this, but it, we're kind of all at the point now where um, it, it's just worn on us a little bit. So, it, we don't need, to, and the media especially is not helping, mm -hmm. um, you know, we don't need the big epic headlines at church, just like what we have in the media. You, right. you get that every day. So, we're not, but I will say this about preaching, and I'll be brief, broad and smaller are the two things that I think we're going to see in the future. Broad, meaning you're digital, you have a very, the potential of a very broad reach. At West Bradenton, we had a little podcast, but we didn't have much of a digital presence. Now we do, and we're actually seeing a lot of success through our digital presence. Um, 
and so we're broad in that way. But I also think that the venues in which people will listen to live preaching will be smaller. Uh, I think uh, the future of the church is smaller, um, smaller venues, uh, smaller uh, smaller churches, um, and you know more potentially multi-site, micro-site kind of stuff. Mm. Um, I think people will fade away from the large gatherings of. 5,000 and into gatherings of 500, um, if not 50. Uh, so I do believe that as you see Gen Z um, come up um, with millennial parents, that the future is smaller uh, in terms of venues themselves. Mm. Uh, I think the era of building a 6,000 seat uh, you know, worship space is, is over. And those churches that are have those spaces um, are going to have trouble filling the room. Yeah. So I think broad in terms of digital presence and smaller in terms of live venue. I think um, preaching venues would be an amazing topic because I think these church structures are going to change dramatically because of COVID. We'll write that down. We'll we'll do that. We'll do that in the near future. Okay. We'll do that in the year two thousand. <laughs> and, and and maybe just to speak to the content of preaching itself, I do think we have to focus more on a kind of looped communication style. You know, if you think about reading, you do it in a linear fashion, point A to point B to point C to point D. And the reality is people have never really listened like that. But I think COVID has accelerated that being an on-screen experience. So you have to speak in loops. You have to make a proposition or a point. You have to develop that point and then keep coming back to that point again. And so I'm not just merely talking about having a main idea of the sermon, mm. but you got to do a lot of catch up. You got to you got to do a lot of, OK, now are you, you know, you, you understanding this? Now, let's come back. Now, what are we talking about today? Now, this this kind of big idea that's got to run itself through the course. And, and the assumption there would be it's a big idea driven from the text. But I do think we have to just speak even in a different way. It's one thing we try to add as a compliment, too, is, you know, we started doing a, a, a basically a talking outline that – and that's something we didn't do prior to COVID. So they have fill in the blank stuff. They can kind of follow along with you. We have discussion questions. We'll make reference to those things each and every week. We're just trying to give people, especially with different learning styles, just different ways to engage with the content mm. itself. And that, you know, I throw it out to you guys. I mean, in terms of just content, not the delivery style, but have you changed in your content when it comes to preaching? Um, no, but I'm going to now because that was phenomenal advice. Um, also, I felt like while you were talking about that, I was just thinking, man, that's just sort of the, the genius gems that you get from a Southwestern PhD right there. That's just smart stuff from Clay. And we're going to have to bump that to another episode because that's all the time we have for today. Uh, thanks for listening so much. Make sure that you rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can follow and learn more about Clay on Instagram. He's not on the Twitter because it's a cesspool. We all know that. I got um, off the Twitter. I'm off. You got Free. off the Twitter. Get off of that. Kill that bird. Uh, so he is on Instagram at ClaySmith79. That's at ClaySmith70. Is that the year you were born? It was. It's a great there year. There you go. So at ClaySmith79. Connect with him online. Connect with us on wherever you get your podcast. Thanks so much for listening. Hi there, Tom Rayner here. I realize it might seem we're nowhere near the holiday season, but it will soon be upon us before you know it. And our friends over at Church Initiative want us to remember that the Thanksgiving and Christmas season is a time of year that can be really tough for people who's lost a loved one or who have been divorced. So listen to some of the things grieving and divorced people say on their Grief Share and Divorce Care Facebook pages during the holiday season. People like Jean 
Dean and Susan are hurting, they're looking for help. And you can provide it through your church, through Divorce Care and Grief Share, Surviving the Holiday Events. Visit churchinitiative.org forward slash holidays to learn how your church can offer one or both of these impactful programs this holiday season. And you can get the information in the show notes as well. You've been listening to EST, a discussion for the established church. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter, as well as subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes, Google Play, or your favorite podcatcher. Thanks for listening.